genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one bitter look filled minute at a time. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're going to be talking about minute 177, which starts with Boromir saying, have you so little faith in your own people? And ends with a kind of lingering shot on the Argonoth at a distance. Yeah. Uh, which is my favorite miniature in the movie, but we don't see all the detail till tomorrow. Well, we see some of it, like the the face. You can see like the outline of some of the the cut stone. Yeah, that but, they wanted to show off. But uh, all the close up shots come tomorrow, and there's mm -hmm. a, there's a lot to to dig into with that. Okay. Uh, but there's also a lot to dig into today with Boromir and Aragorn's conversation. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned yesterday, I think the first part of this is not just like Boromir defending Gondor. But also Boromir, like, defending himself. See, I thought when you said that, I thought you were just exclusively talking about the line, have you so little faith in your own people? No. Not the follow-up. No, I'm talking about the follow-up to okay. that. Okay. He's like, there is, um, like, there's yes, weakness, there is weakness and frailty. Yes, there's frailty, but there's courage. Courage and honor also. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Boromir also talking about himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I absolutely think so because he's very proud to be from Gondor. Yeah. He's very proud of his heritage and it offends him that Aragorn thinks so little of a culture and a people that Aragorn has to this point had very little interaction with. Right. And to uh to Boromir's knowledge has like never really had much interaction with. He does say that he's seen the White City. But as far as Boromir knows, that's the extent of it. Yeah. It's just like, you've only ever seen the place. Like, those are your people. You are you are one of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I like that um, it's interesting what he says to Aragorn about hiding in the shadows. Uh, because it really echoes what Galadriel was saying last week mm. about Aragorn's choice. Yeah. Um. And it's it's kind of cool how all of these different characters are really converging on Aragorn. Like, okay, you gotta pick you gotta pick something soon. Yeah. Like Boromir and Galadriel could not be any like further away from each other as far as like differences. Yeah. But they're both of the same opinion. That Aragorn needs to make a choice. Right. Well, I mean, as far as Boromir is concerned, Aragorn doesn't need to make a choice. Aragorn needs to be king. Yeah. Like, there is no choice, I think, for Boromir. No, like, there, there there's no only choice. one option. Be who you are, Aragorn. Yeah. Be who you were meant to be. <laughs> it's just like Mufasa's head in the clouds. <laughs> yes. It's, but it's just Sean Bean. Yeah. <laughs> You must go home, Aragorn. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, what? 
That's so f- you can't do a James Earl Jones voice. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to. I was just trying to be deep. Uh, but I really and this this conversation gets really heated, like really heated. Yeah, he grabs Aragorn's cloak and spins him back around. Yeah, it's like, like I'm I am not finished yet. Let me tell you something about you that you don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he knows. He's just in denial about it. Yeah. And, like, Aragorn at first looks like he's not going to react. And then he, like, turns around and just, like, really, really snippily is just like, I will not leave the ring within a hundred leagues of your city. Yeah. Well, because Boromir's been, like, yelling. Yeah. And I kind of like the, the shot of Frodo lying awake and listening to this argument. I think it's a good callback to the Council of Elrond when everyone was just shouting at each other. Yeah. And Frodo was like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take the ring. And I feel- Just shut up. Yeah. And I, I think that builds his sense of paranoia. Yeah. This moment uh, with the juxtaposition of seeing Frodo and against Bormir's like, increased action, mm-hmm. I think is supposed to just be like a call to, hey, the ring's doing something right now. Yeah. Pushing on Boromir again. Really Mommy and hard. Daddy are fighting. I'm upset about it. That's what that reminds me of. Just like trying to go to bed and like the parents are screaming at each other downstairs. Just God, why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, I really like. I I really like this scene, and I'm really sad that it's not in the theatrical because there's so much emotion and tension and conflict Mm. in in these two characters right now and i understand like i don't even know like it makes no sense because like they don't even include the the lothlorian scene where these two are more like right like kind of come like be go from being like traveling companions to like like brothers in arms almost yeah like they cross that threshold in their relationship and then now they're this is like a step back yeah this is like two steps back like i thought we were over this yeah and for it to get like nearly like physically violent almost yeah and like very like you could definitely imagine like boromir throwing a punch here yeah almost um and I think it's it's very I don't know. It's a really good argument scene. It is. I think. It's and it feels tense without getting violent, which is a really fine line to walk, I think, in this genre. Yeah. You know? Well, it's like that scene that we were talking about yesterday on um Karadras. Yeah. Where Boromir like has the ring and Aragorn Aragorn is ready to pull his weapon. Yeah. And here I don't think it is to that point. Yeah. But I think because these two characters are more familiar with each other. Yeah, cuz a couple of days ago there was that that bonding moment. Yeah. So this is just like Aragorn's still in the mindset of like, you know, Boromir's not so bad. He's just, you know, a little misguided, which is condescending. Well, I think I think that because these two characters have come from Aragorn 
ready to throw down at, at a moment's notice yeah. to showing like restraint, like yeah. incredible restraint right now. Like yeah. if somebody grabbed me and was yelling at me, I would not be like, I would not take the ring within a hundred. Like I would not be like whisper. <laughs> Put on angry. a little whispery Batman yeah, voice. And I, be would like, not, I wouldn't be whispery angry. I would be like pissed. Right. And I don't really get angry easily. Yeah. And we've seen Bor we've seen Bor um Aragorn angry before. Yeah. Um well I guess he does kind of get whispery angry when because it at the end he's just like Yeah. <laughs> he grabs Frodo and he's just like, What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> So maybe that's just his brand of that's, anger. That's just, just whispery vigilante angry. <laughs> yeah. That's that's just Aragorn's aesthetic. <laughs> so never mind. That's but... just where it's where he goes. Because we don't see we don't see like rage anger from Aragorn until the beginning of Two Towers. Mm. Yeah, when he's avenging Boromir and yeah. trying to get Marion Piven back. When he breaks his toe. <laughs> oh, I would be rage angry too. Um but I don't know. I really, I really enjoy this scene, and I think it's a really good example of using conflict to show off these two characters yeah. and their different the way they interact with each other. Because it's conflict also, isn't fun, but it's what makes a story interesting. Yeah, and I mean, this is also a conflict with no resolution, right? Which is, I think, it makes it more tragic. Yeah, leading up to the the climax of the movie. Yeah, because in the theatrical version of the film, the last time I think you see Boromir and Aragorn have a conversation with each other is that moment on Karadras. Mm. Which is so bizarre. Which is so bizarre for me to even think about. Like, but I so mean, then, I know we watched it like right. months ago, but like, so then, like in the theatrical cut of the movie, we're supposed to buy the climactic moment and the end of these two characters' story together out of just seeing the actions Bormir takes in their battles right. and not out of these small character moments. Yeah. Which, I mean, the battles do a good job of um, highlighting the different characters, but I much prefer dialogue over action. Hmm. I'm much more interested in people talking to each other than people swinging swords at each other. Unless it's like the Princess Bride where they're talking and swinging swords at each other. <laughs> right. Unless it's like a duel. Because then I'm just like hand me the popcorn i'm in this 100 percent. but you know what i mean like yeah. this the super showy action sequences they when you dissect them like we've been doing it's 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 really cool to see what they're doing but i think for a casual movie going audience an action scene is an action scene yeah and it's kind of like unless you are really taking the time to digest it, I think it just kind of happens and you either pick up on it or you don't. Yeah. Um, which I think is a shame because I, I don't know, hashtag justice for Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then we cut from this argument to like, there's just, like, a jump cut to daylight on the river. Mm -hmm. Boromir just looks like he hasn't slept. Oh, my God. This is, like... He just looks so haggard and just, like, like, 
upset. The morning after a really big fight and everyone's just like, everyone's eyes are puffy because they've been crying and like yelling at each other. And Boromir looks so, um, not even sulky. It's like angry, but also kind of defeated, but also kind of schemy. And he just, uh, he really, he just looks so bitter. He, yeah. Bitter. That's a good word. Just looks so bitter. And you just know that like normally, normally when they're, they're paddling around on the river, mm-hmm. he's like joking with Mary and Pippin. Mm-hmm. This morning, Mary and Pippin are just like, morning, poor Mary. And he's just like, get in the boat. <laughs> oh, I don't think, I don't think he would. I don't think he would lash out in that way. He's just like, I don't want to. Hobbit pals. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Just just be quiet today. <laughs> and then we cut from Boromir to Aragorn, and Aragorn is also very um, like, bitter, but not like... He's very a, reserved this he's morning. In he's in like very, a suspicious, bitter yeah. kind of way. Yeah, he's he's very introspective yeah. on this morning. And then he like perks up and he gets all excited because mm-hmm. he, he sees the Argonath. I really like the, um, the description of Aragorn... In this moment in the book. Um, and I am going to quote it because I think it's really interesting. Even now at the end of... Because we're like one chapter away from the end of the book, basically. Yeah. And um, then the climax of the movie is really the, the first chapter right. of Two Towers. So, uh, basically, Frodo is like like freaking out about like the gross river it's kind of nasty and the water's black and stuff and like there's lots of wind and he's kind of like oh god you know hobbit stuff and uh, a voice says fear not and frodo turned and saw strider and yet not strider for the weather-worn ranger was no longer there in the stern sat aragorn son of arathorn proud and erect Guiding the boat with skillful strokes, his hood was cast back, and his dark hair was blowing in the wind, a light in his eyes, a king returning from exile to his own land. And I really like, I really like that, because even now, at the end of this book, where we know that Aragorn is Aragorn, he's still on the, like, the precipice of that choice, like, making the choice between being the ranger and being the king. And it's on I the like, precipice of greatness. Yeah, and I like that in this moment it calls that out. And it takes him returning to his homeland and seeing these these beautiful statues, like this... this it's, it's a wonder of Middle-earth. Yeah, this monument to men and also to his line, specifically, yeah. that he kind of understands i think this is the moment where he kind of starts to understand what it is like what the choice is that he needs to make right like you can imagine that same kind of moment in like a roman story a warrior being gone for so long and he comes home like to see the temple of zeus yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and he's just like this is wrong yeah and i i really i really like that i i think the language is beautiful um I and I I don't know like when I read that I kind of picture like you know Frodo turning around and then there's like Aragorn with like the clouds breaking and a single shaft of sunlight coming down and illuminating him on the river you know yeah like oh. yeah exactly and I 
I mean, I like that they didn't do that here, but here I think the context is a little different. Yeah. Because here, uh, Aragorn in this this adaptation of Aragorn is much more troubled and on the fence about the choice he has to make. Yeah. Where Book or Aragorn pretty much from the beginning is just like, I'm going to be a goddamn king someday. It's just waiting. Like, yeah. And like, it's it, it's cool. It's like a cool threshold moment for both Book Aragorn and movie Aragorn. Yeah. And I think it, it communicates the same thing in a different sort of way. Right. And this is like a little baby step threshold moment for movie Aragorn. Because I think his threshold moment is with Boromir at the climax. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think this this is the beginning of that. Yeah. And the argument is really the beginning of that um, in the context of this movie because it it's the last push before the climax for Aragorn. Yeah. Because it's someone calling out really aggressively to his face the choice he has to make and like what he has to do mm-hmm. because Galadriel is just like very passively like you either can become the king you were born to be or continue to live live your life as it is yeah. as it is and she or, doesn't or fall into shadow with the rest of your kin and, and then, she doesn't really push it and then like but but that that kind of calls back to what i was talking about earlier the parallel between boromir and galadriel's words because she says you know fall into shadow like the rest of your kin and boromir talks about how he's been lurking in the shadows right you're already hiding in the shadows yeah like you need to step up now or right like bad stuff's gonna happen right like the way the the story of the movie is framed based on things that elrond has said the interaction with galadriel and just Aragorn in general, Mm -hmm. it feels like this is the first time someone has, like, actively and aggressively called Aragorn out on this. Probably. Because the conversation between Elrond and Gandalf doesn't feel like Elrond was ever very pushy about it. Yeah. He's just like, men are weak, he made his decision. And, I mean, there is that scene in, which again is in the extended, in the, um... At, at Aragorn's mother's grave, yeah. where Elrond kind of pushes in his Elrond way. But again, it's not really forcefully turning him around and yelling at him. It's right. like your mother, you know, talking about, I don't know, it's much more subtle. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that this is the first time. Because who would grab a king? Right. And Bo- I mean, Boromir is technically royalty. Yeah. So... Boromir has respect for Aragorn, but he also, just who Boromir is, I think, is the kind of person that's just like, you're running away. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you run away. So, um, we'll probably talk about it more tomorrow when we talk about the Argonath more. But from what I understand, from what I was reading about um, Isildur and his brother, who are the two statues here. Isildur and Anarion. Yeah. Um, um, Isildur... And his old, he has a sealer has four kids. Yeah. Um, and Anarion also has four kids. Yeah. And a sealer and his three oldest kids die when the orcs um, jump them. Yeah. On the road. So and this thing in the prologue. Yeah. So Aragorn is the heir through Isildur's youngest son. Um, but Isildur's youngest son is not. Was was not the king after Isildur died. The no. king was Anarion's son. 
Anarian's youngest son. Yeah. Maneldo. So it's kind of cool. Like, this line of kings ends on Anarian's side, and then the stewards take over. So yes. really, Aragorn... Aragorn doesn't... I mean, like, by rights of birth and everything, he does. But Boromir literally has more of a claim to the throne by, like, direct um, lines, I guess? Well, because Boromir's family line has been the stewards of Gondor forever. Right. So I think it's interesting that Boromir's family is closer to the throne than Aragorn ever was because Boromir's family took over for the king that was descended from Aragorn's ancestor's brother. Right. You know what I mean? The only reason that uh, Anarian's son becomes the king of Gondor is because the Numenorean kingdoms in Middle-earth, there are two. Mm -hmm. And Elendil was the high king of both realms, but he left Isildur and Anarian to rule Gondor, and he went to rule in the north in Arnor. Okay. And when Isildur takes the throne, he takes that same title. He hangs around for a while, and then he heads north to the Northern well, Kingdom. They, but he, he dies his, in the north. He and his brother rule. They're co-rulers. They co-ruled from Osgiliath, was the seat of the throne. Okay. Uh, it's the original seat of the throne in Gondor, not Minas Tirith. Yeah. Uh, but when Isildur goes north and he dies, no one gets word for a while, and Anarian's son because Anarian's youngest son was the one that was left, was made the king of Gondor when Isildur went north. Mm -hmm. So when Isildur's family dies, the northern kingdom is just forgotten. It, it's They're estranged from each other, okay. and the northern kingdom declines. Yeah. And then the southern kingdom, Gondor, becomes the only kingdom. Okay. So Aragorn is descended from the high king of both realms, Yeah. but Gondor had its own king. Okay. See, I was reading about that and it wasn't very clear. But yeah. I thought it was, I think it's interesting though that. Um, You're right though, because especially from the perspective of the people of Gondor, yeah. the stewards have a better claim to the throne than Aragorn right. does. Like, what do you know about Gondor? You've lived in the north, your, your family's been in the north for a thousand years. But I thought it was kind of like an interesting dynamic that adds to their relationship that Boromir is pushing Aragorn to do this yeah. now. When he has more of a claim as far as the people are concerned. Yeah. You know, as far as the people are concerned, he has to leave. Yeah. But, like, there's so much going on with the Boromir's character, like, in this moment when you really break it down, too. Because the movie tracks that he, like, knows there's something wrong with his father and that there's something wrong in Gondor. Yeah. So his pushing on Aragorn isn't, isn't even necessarily, like... Dude, you're just, you're the king. Like, be the king. Mm -hmm. It's the ruler of Gondor is failing. And I don't know if I'm, if I want to be the ruler of Gondor. Well, neither of them do. But I think Boromir has more initiative yeah. to do so. Um, Boromir's just under a lot of pressure. Do you think that if Boromir survived, that they would have, like, reestablished, like, the co-ruling thing? Probably. I, I am... Which I think is kind of sad and cool. I I always imagined when someone had mentioned to me the whole um, idea of Boromir surviving instead of Aragorn, that in the end, Faramir would have become king of Gondor. No, I mean, I mean um, both Aragorn and Boromir survive. Oh. 
establish yeah Bor I imagine that Aragorn would have dubbed Boromir's family the rulers of Gondor like officially yeah and then he's like the high king of and Arnor. then he's the high king of Arnor and Gondor and reestablish mm. northern kingdom yeah because I I don't know that's kind of like a cool like what if because you have these two rulers these two brothers um at this this river gate and then you have these two like brothers in arms who have the potential to really shine like these two yeah but Boromir is cut short mm -hmm. and then we have uh have some feels for your tuesday right <laughs> right and then in story we have uh faramir who is very different from boromir but also like very similarly has very similar character flaws that, to Boromir, at least in the movie, mm -hmm. because in the book, Faramir is faultless and flawless and perfect. Yes, he is. Like. Yes, he is. So there's that. <laughs> but we get to talk about all of that in the next couple of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that we spent quite a lot talking about this conversation. There's a lot to break down here because there's just so much going on with, between these two characters. Yeah. And we're about to, to reach the the penultimate moment of the movie mm -hmm. so so thank you for joining us today on duelinggenre.com you can also find a doctor who podcast the doctor's companion which is currently discussing the uh, new season of doctor who since mm -hmm. it's back series 10 yeah and geek by night an audio drama about nerds who run a comic book shop and have superpowers yep uh, as always a special thanks to our patreon associate producers Leaper182 and Ed Foster. Hope everyone has a great day and we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye. Bye.